You are listening to the Lucha Central Podcast Network. And now, Lucha Central Weekly. Welcome to another edition of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. This is the podcast that covers news and events happening in the world of Lucha Libre, talking Mexico-based promotions and top independents, along with Luchador-related news from throughout the United States. The Lucha Central Weekly Podcast is part of the Lucha Central Podcast Network on LuchaCentral.com. This podcast and others from the network are also available on all major podcast streaming platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and more. And of course, a big shout out to our streaming partners at thechairshot.com. My name is Miranda Morales, and I'm one of the co-hosts of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. And let me bring in the rest of the team. Introducing first, he is the dashing one, Mr. Dusty Murphy. Dusty, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing, Miranda? I am doing well. And, well, for the third member of this team, if you usually listen to this podcast, we usually get that going with a who? 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 Well, this week it is no one because Brendan Barr is not joining us. Uh, unfortunately, he had another obligation and won't be on this week's podcast. So it is just myself and Dusty Murphy. Uh, we will definitely miss Brendan on this week's show. But you know the saying, the show must go on. And we got a lot to cover this week. Uh, you know, it just feels like as soon as we ended recording last week, the world just got on fire. And yeah. We have a lot to, to cover from everything that happened this past week in the world of Lucha Libre. We are going to be talking some AAA, AEW, WWE, MLW, and more this week. So we got you fairly covered. But to kick things off, we are going to get started with a segment we haven't done in a while. It is the Indie Roundup, and that is because there are two big events happening out here on the West Coast next week. Uh, we are going to be starting off with PCW Ultra, Friday, October 21st. They are presenting Set in Stone, uh, live from the... Uh, Memorial Hall in Wilmington, California. Tickets are still available at PCWUltra.com, and they have such a phenomenal card already announced, uh, and a lot of Lucha in this, and Lucha Influence matches um, already announced for Set in Stone. Uh, to start off with, we have the debut of Casey Navarro. He's going to be taking on Lucas Riley. Danny Limelight Rivera will be taking on Matt Vandegrift. Shane Haste will be taking on the returning Puma King, 
at Ultra. So that's going to be very big. Hayes had a very big win on the last show. Uh, but Puma King um, is, you know, such a phenomenal luchador that he's going to be a true test for Shane Haste. Toa Leona is going to be facing friend of the show, friend of the Lucha Central Weekly uh, podcast and the Lucha Central Podcast Network, Papo Esco. Oh, very nice. Yes, a big brute match up ahead. And then as far as championship matches, your ultra light uh, champion, Jay Vidal, will be facing the number one contender, Lince Dorado. Uh, your ultra women's champion Viva Van will be facing Sumi Sakai. And the PCW Ultra Heavyweight Championship will be defended in the first time ever Ultra Volt match. And you're wondering, well, what in the world is an Ultra Volt uh, match? And so the Ultra Volt would be constructed and filled with weapons. So this is looking to be a cage match that will have weapons uh, surrounding the the um, the ring. A coin toss will determine which two wrestlers will enter the Ultra Volt first. There will be a total of four participants. A new competitor will enter the Ultra Volt every 90 seconds thereafter. And once all four competitors are inside the vault, the door will be locked. A PCW Ultra official will be in place to control the door. And the first wrestler to escape the Ultra Volt will be crowned the Ultra Heavyweight Champion. Now, currently, we have your Ultra Weight Champion in Alex Hammerstone. But announced for uh, the Ultra Vault, we have at least right now two competitors announced. Sin Bodhi has been announced to be in this match, and Shafe is also announced. There is still a fourth competitor who has not been announced yet. And we believe will be announced um, either sometime before the show or at the show itself. So um, that really leaves such a a wild card element um, in this match. But, um, you know, a a very, very big test for Hammerstone um, in having to defend uh, the heavyweight championship in not only a a cage match, but an ultra volt match uh, with a lot of variables in place between the weapons, between uh, multiple competitors, and ultimately stipulation of, you know, whoever leaves the vault first will be the winner. So a lot at stake. Um, Also announced for ultra, uh, pro wrestling legend Ultimo Dragon will be there during the meet and greet portion of the show. Uh, someone who has some familiarity uh, with West Coast wrestling. Uh, he will be there for fans to interact with prior to that, as well as a lot of the other talent um, will be there during the meet and greet opportunity before the show. So uh, PCW Ultras, you know, pre-show and their meet and greet is like nothing else. It's really a cool opportunity for fans to meet their favorite wrestlers and luchadors and you get to have it in such a personable environment. So uh, a lot ahead for um, PCW Ultra set in stone, um, again, including a meet and greet with Ultimo Dragon uh, prior to the show. But with the talent already announced, uh, with Lince Dorado, Puma King, Toa Leona, Papo Esco, Danny Limelight, 
Viva Van, Casey Navarro. That's already a stacked show to begin with. Super stacked. Yeah, super, super stacked. So make sure you get your tickets now. Again, PCWUltra.com for your tickets uh, to set in stone. But on top of that, the very next day, Pro Wrestling Revolution makes its return to San Jose uh, at Mount Pleasant High School, Saturday, October 22nd at 7 p.m. Uh, tickets are still available through multiple um, locations or local locations in the San Jose area. But I believe you can also get your tickets at Lucha Libre Boletos. Uh, that's B-O-L-E-T-O-S dot com. And another super, super stacked show. Like, I can't even begin to tell you. If you've seen the poster for this show, which is available on Pro Wrestling Revolution's social media page, you'll see very, very big names, including headliners like Roosh, Bandito, uh, Mysterioso, and Ultimo Dragon for matches that have been currently announced. Uh, we have a very big match between Roosh and uh, J.R. Kratos. Uh, again, uh, Kratos uh, lost the uh, Pro Wrestling Revolution Heavyweight Championship at the last show to Dr. Wagner Jr. So he's coming out uh, for blood, and I believe we're going to be taking it out on Roosh. But, but Roosh has been such an unstoppable force um, that I think he can definitely capitalize on J.R. Kratos' big loss from the previous show. We also have in tag team action the other members of the Border Patrol up against Ultimo Dragon and Mysterioso. So very big um, match there. We will have a, a four-way match for the Pro Wrestling Revolution Openweight Championship. Your current champion, Papo Esco, will be facing Vinny Massaro, El Cucuy, and Gravity, uh, which I believe is a newer name um, for the Open Weight Championship. We also have the debut of Nicole Malice. She's going to be facing Charisma um, in the women's match and much, much more um, set for the October 22nd show in San Jose. I believe also we are going to get a uh, stellar uh, trios match. Uh, we have the team of, uh, it is Ultimo Maldito and Archangel Divino going to be teaming up with Bandito against El Viento, Jacob Fatu, and Ray Ors. So I feel like that is going to be Probably the scene stealer of the whole night. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Between uh, Bandito and just, again, he's riding on such a big high, but his athleticism, Ultimo Maldito and Archangel Divino, too, really coming into this U.S. scene and taking it by storm. Um, really high-flying, high, and very fast-paced action against, you know, Jacob Fatu in particular is such a triple threat with speed, with size, with power, with precision that he always surprises you in the ring. But then, of course, you have the incredible skill of Ray Oris and Viento himself, very young um, and the, probably the youngest one in this entire match, but someone you shouldn't count out. So that's 
pretty much when I look at all these matches, one I think I'm looking forward to the most. Yeah, it sounds amazing. There's a lot of high-profile stuff going on there, a lot of excitement in that one. Yes, yes, absolutely. So don't forget Pro Wrestling Revolution in San Jose. That is Saturday, October 22nd, 7 p.m. start time at Mount Pleasant High School. Tickets are still available. You can check out LuchaLibreBoletos.com. You can also find Pro Wrestling Revolution on social media at PW Revolution. Um, or, uh, yeah, PW Revolution on social media for more in- information. Of course, Pro Wrestling Revolution on uh, Facebook as well to get more information about tickets, match announcements, and much, much more. Just you got to be there. I will be at both shows, so I'll be really excited to report back about what happens uh, at both of these shows. But if you are in the California area or close to it, I highly recommend trying to check out either Pro Wrestling Revolution or PCW Ultra next weekend um, because these are super, super stacked shows. And that does it for this week's Indie Roundup. Do not forget, if you are an independent wrestling fan, promotion, wrestler, to reach out to us on social media. We'd love to hear more about other promotions happening throughout the United States. We also love to watch matches or get any information on what's happening in with Lucha Libre throughout the U.S. We are, you know, very West Coast biased. Uh, because that's where uh, a lot of action is happening. Uh, both Brendan and I kind of live in this area, so that's where we get a lot of things happening. But we love to cover uh, wrestling from other parts of the U.S. So please feel free to reach out to us in social media. We'll be giving our social media information at the end of the show. But you know what? It's time. Yes, it is time to kick it off to Denise Salcedo, who brings us this week's Lucha Central Central. Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Hey everyone, it's Denise Salcedo here in Lucha Central Central with a reminder of where and when to catch all of the great network content this week. Get the full lineup and listen to all of our shows in the podcast network section of LuchaCentral.com. On Tuesdays, Matt, Matt, and Mayhem takes you inside the world of Lucha Underground as they take you weekly through the series with the benefit of hindsight and the benefit of special guests from the groundbreaking series. Check out the premiere video stream every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Lucha Central YouTube channel and at LuchaCentral.com. Then listen to it on your favorite podcast platform every Wednesday. Tuesday nights live, it's WrestleBoss, where Fabi Chulo talks MMA and pro wrestling with special guests and listener call-ins. Visit WrestleBossLive.com Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Pacific to listen live or call in with questions or download the show on podcast platforms on Wednesdays. Wednesday nights live on Facebook, it's Spanish show La Mesa de los Margaros, giving you both the news and the cheese made from around the lucha world. 
special guests and a whole lot of fun make it one of the most talked about shows in Mexico. Thursdays, it's straight out of the bodega with Papo Esco and PWR promoter Gabriel Ramirez as they have guests from throughout the wrestling world pull up to give an inside look into their careers. From indie standouts to television superstars, each week brings a new name and perspective. On Friday, it's your double dose of Lucha Central Weekly podcast. One in English y el otro en Español. Lucha Central Weekly is where you'll find all the top stories of the week, both inside and out of the ring from Mexico and anywhere luchadores are in action across the globe. Be sure to subscribe and follow all your favorite Lucha Central Network series on your favorite podcast platforms, either by their own series name or subscribe to the Lucha Central Podcast Network show pages to get all of the shows in one easy feed. And please consider giving a rating to help more fans find the shows that you love. For now, this is Denise Salcedo signing off from Lucha Central Central. Have a great week. Lucha-Masks.com by Pro Wrestling Revolution. Bringing you in partnership with Mask Republic, the Lucha Brothers, as well as Japanese legend Ultimo Dragon. Go to Lucha-Masks.com and fight Lucha Strong with masks from your favorite Lucha legends and pro wrestling revolution luchadores. Stay safe in style and represent your favorite luchador. Get yours now at Lucha-Masks.com, powered by Pro Wrestling Revolution. A big thank you to Denise Alcedo, who brings us this week's Lucha Central Central, letting you know what's happening throughout the Lucha Central Podcast Network. All right, we're going to get into the meat and potatoes, as they call it, of this week's episode. We are first going to be kicking off with AAA. Dusty, he's going to give us a quick one down one more time of what to expect this Saturday at Triple Mania 30 in Monterey. Yeah, much like I told you before, this Saturday, uh, October the 15th, Triple Mania 30, Chapter 3, Mexico City. Finally got the, the biggest show of the year for AAA. First up on the card, we have Team Leyenda Americana with Arcano or El Furioso and Leyenda Americana versus Team Terror Purpura, which is Picador Lital, Terror Purpura, and Venenoide. More characters not announced are likely to show up and maybe wrestle. This is all building up to a title match for the Marvel Lucha Libre, so kind of exciting there. Okay. Next up, we have the 12-person Triple Mania Copa Bardal. Uh, that will feature Microman versus Chessman versus Taurus versus Sexy Star 2 versus Nino Ambarguesa versus Mr. Iguana versus Lady Shawnee versus Flip Gordon versus La Diva Savaje, versus Jesse, versus Aerostar, versus Luchador Sapresa. So there's a lot going on with that one. Could be really interesting. We kind of touched on that, uh, I believe, two weeks ago, that, you know, a lot of interesting stuff could be going on with that one. Next up, we have the four-way tag team match. We have the Los Vipers team of Latigo and Toxine versus Commander and Mysticies versus Aries and Willie Mack, versus Dragon Lee and Drillistico, Los Hermanos Lee. Very exciting stuff there. The winners of that match will receive a future AAA World Tag Team Championship match, since FTR won't be appearing at Triple Mania. Next up, we have a a three-way trios match for the AAA World Trios Championship 
Champions, Nuevo Generacion, Dinamita, that's El Potrero, Sansone, and Forestero. They will be up against the team of Psycho Clown, Laredo Kid, and Bandito. And they will also be facing the team of Brian Cage, Sam Adonis, and Johnny Mundo slash Johnny Caballero. Very cool, very exciting stuff. A lot of star power in that match. Yeah. Next up, we have the singles match for the AAA Reina Duranas Championship. Taya and Camille having a rebound match from their big NWA match in August in St. Louis. A lot of kind of chatter about why Flammer didn't get that. I suspect that she will be wrestling in the Marvel Lucha Libre match or maybe figure into the show otherwise. It, yeah, it's interesting. We'll see what comes of that. Next up, we finally have in a place this match. Hair versus hair. Cybernetico versus Pagano. You know you're going to see the cookie sheets. Pagano always brings the craziness. Yeah. This is definitely one we're going to have to talk about next week. And then next up, what may be the the highest profile match on the card, the one that most people are excited about, I think it could easily be a match of the year contender, not just for Lucha, but wrestling in general. We have Io Del Vikingo versus Phoenix for the AAA Mega Campion Championship. Very exciting. Two of the best in the world. If you've seen Vikingo, you know what he can do. If you've seen Phoenix, you know what he can do. I am so excited personally to see these two go head-to-head. It's really a dream match for a lot of people. Going to be amazing. And then the main event, we have another Apuestas match. Mask versus Mask in the Ruleta de la Muerta finals. Pentagon Jr., Penta El Cerro Miedo versus Viano 4. And we've hypothesized about this a lot. Brendan thinks that Penta's the the outside candidate to, to lose the mask, but I think Penta retains. There's a lot of AAW merchandise and toys yet to be sold. Yes, and I, I have agree. a feeling Tony Khan's going to want Penta to keep that mask. Yeah. And Viano 4 cries at all the press conferences. He was never terribly emotional before, and so I feel like he's kind of coming to terms with losing the mask and, and everything. I think the tears are pretty indicative that he loses this match, but we will see again. That's on fight TV this Saturday, October the 15th, 7 PM central time, Mexico time. I believe that's 5 PM West coast time. They're going to have the Spanish commentary and English commentary. Mm-hmm. However, English commentary will not be on site. It will be recorded remotely. So take that as you will. You lose a lot of the excitement when you're not there in person. In my opinion, a little bit of a misstep for AAA on that one. But, yeah, check it out. Next week we'll have all the results. I'm sure Brendan will be live-tweeting some of it on Twitter, and I may mention some of it on the Facebook group, the Lucha Central Weekly News Facebook group. So, yeah, we'll talk about it next week and in between. So same Lucha time, same Lucha channel. Yes, thank you, Dusty. And I, I mistakenly said Monterey. I meant to say Mexico City, so thank you for clarifying that. Oh, and you're yes, welcome. Uh, make sure to follow uh, Brendan. He, I believe he's 321 T-shirt guy on social media, so you can follow him on Twitter. Um, reach out to us. We also have the Lucha Central Weekly Facebook group. You can search for that and request to be added to that as well. And you will know um, Lucha Central will have results on what happens at uh, – 
this uh, Triple Mania show. I am in agreement with you, Dusty. I believe that Penta will retain. There is just too much uh, merchandise and momentum in this in his way right now that I can't imagine him losing the mask. Even if he and and I know part of our discussion was you know maybe he'll just convert to full face paint. Um, but I feel like you know that's that's besides the point. I feel like he is so much more, so much of a brand right now that. Um, it just makes sense, you know, for him to keep the mask. So, uh, yeah, very high profile. I mean, that's also why getting to this point is getting, you know, fans interested in just watching it because even the possibility is enough to get fans even wondering and guessing, you know, could it be what's happening? So, um, I think that's a very, you know, very smart and fitting final, um, for, uh, for the uh, Ruleta de la Muerte. I agree. So we are going to jump into the big news that happened that's really been happening and evolving over this past week in AEW. And it is what we've talked about before, some tension between Andrade and Tammy Guevara that has finally led to fisticuffs. So, Dusty, go ahead and kind of share with us what, how did we get here? What the hell is happening? Yeah, well, we saw a lot of, I guess Andrade shooting his mouth off, for lack of a better phrase, on social media and in some interviews. We touched on it last week. He was just very open about his displeasure with things and and just with the way things were going in general, not just his career. But it also felt like it was a little bit of a storyline thing for Andrade. It wasn't 100% certain that it was legitimate. Uh, but after that, in the aftermath, we recorded on Tuesday last week. On Wednesday and Thursday, it, information came out that Sammy Guevara and Andrade had kind of been mouthing off at each other a little bit. And allegedly, Sammy had accused Andrade of hitting him too hard in the ring. And Andrade was mad that Sammy complained about it, like in an interview and to other people backstage instead of just hitting him hard in the ring to show him that he was hitting too hard. And this kind of spilled out from that. Then all of a sudden there was a lot of back and forth between Sammy and Andrade, a lot of uh, animosity, I guess you would call it. It got very heated at times between the two. And then there were rumors backstage that there was problems between them. There were rumors from backstage that there were problems between them. So this is all happening Wednesday in the lead up to the show. And then all of a sudden, you know, they changed the the match that Andrade's in. And so we wonder what's going on and nothing yeah. happens. And we get a little more news. And there's been a fight backstage between Andrade and Sammy. There's been some different stories but the gist of it is is that after their online back and forth there was a meeting with tony and some of the backstage people and they told them whatever your problem is you just keep your bullshit away from the show and we'll all be fine Mm -hmm. and then they immediately walked out in the hall and andrade hit sammy two or three times sammy geeked out and didn't do anything so he got to wrestle the main event uh, which was an interesting choice but that's kind of where it left it. Allegedly, Andrade had asked for his release. He wanted to go back to wrestle for Triple H at WWE. 
wanted to be with Charlotte. Her travel days and his travel days are opposite. She travels Thursday through Tuesday. He travels Tuesday through Thursday. And so sometimes he doesn't go home or she doesn't go home. They travel with each other just to have the time together. But I'm certain he did, you know, or would at least like to be traveling with her on the same schedule with her. And he gets in, allegedly before the fight, they told him, you know, even if you get in a fight, we will not release you. And he immediately gets in a fight in the hall in the hallway, kind of calls their bluff on that, and they did not release him. They just sent him home. But maybe that's what he wanted all along. He's getting paid. He gets to hang out with his beautiful wife and his beautiful new house, two are all around the globe. I mean, Andrade gets to live the life right now. And it's it's <laughs> not a bad way to live. Yeah, not no. a bad way to live. And you have to ask yourself, what's wrong with Sammy? Because just a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago, he had a backstage altercation with Eddie Kingston. And it just seems like Sammy's kind of the common denominator in all of this. I like Sammy. I've met Sammy a couple of times. He was very nice both times, very friendly, chatty. But I I know from a little bit of experience that sometimes you can walk away from a fight if you keep your mouth shut or just don't act like an asshole. And, and it's hard to do that sometimes. And maybe Sammy has a harder time doing that than some of us. Yeah, it, it does leave you wondering. I think some of the interesting things about this is, one, this story broke on TMZ, which is not <laughs> – when you yeah. think about stories that, that break in wrestling, you don't think of TMZ being the primary source, but it was. So I think that, too, is something where, you know, again, that's more – it's when we see leaks that happen or information that's shared on the Wrestling Observer or uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated or, you know, all these other types of, yeah, fightful, of, yeah, fightful um, you know, other types of sources, it makes, you know, you kind of think, okay, you know, that, that's more natural. But, um, you know, for TMZ to break this and hit some mainstream news, I know is something PR wise that AW probably wasn't thrilled about because they're still reeling from the aftermath of the CM Punk, um, you know, Young Bucks, uh, Kenny Omega fight. So to then have this come up, you know, not too long after. And then from there, there was a lot of, uh, you know, not so much question, but kind of update on reports that initially it was reported that both of them were sent home, but later we find out that just Andrade was sent home and Sammy was still kept on the show. Um, because he was in that, that, that big tag team match. Well, Andrade was also scheduled for a match, but that one was canceled. So it also does show this kind of possible leaning favoritism towards Sammy Guevara. Um, that again, you know, the company itself is more willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, um, than, than Andrade possibly. Um, now we haven't seen Sammy since, so it, it may be that, you know, his match was just considered too high profile, especially because he was teaming up with Chris Jericho to the point where they let that slide. And now he may be going under more of a formal break like Andrade. But I think, too, it could be, you know, both of them kind of testing their limits of how much they could get away with as well. But it's also, you know, something that I think um you know, fans are, are starting to, and maybe not starting, it's seemingly started to, to happen already for quite some time, you know, possibly 
start to change their opinions on, on Sammy. And maybe it's because he continuously gets into these kinds of situations and kind of has been in trouble and always ends up, you know, coming out the, the other end all right. We're still in a place of prominence, you know, with the company. And AEW fans in particular, I think, are very big on accountability, that they want to see people held accountable. But, again, accountability and fan favorites, you know, those are those are – uh, different things but I mean if they end up you know doing what they did with the Young Bucks and, and CM Punk suspending people taking titles away to that high level too it seems why couldn't they also do that with Sammy yeah it's baffling to me that Sammy has more stroke than somebody like the Young Bucks or Kenny Omega, Kenny Omega. Yeah. <clears throat> excuse and- me some of this, I know, again, according to reports, some things that were discussed was, you know, kind of some of the, the trash talking between the, the two. And, um, you know, they I thought that, um, you know, Andrade uh, has a lot of loyalty still with WWE, in particular Triple H. And maybe some of that is still, you know, kind of brewing and maybe part of that motivator for a while until they maybe doesn't care as much with AEW. There was some speculation that Andrade was possibly one of the individuals that was caught in the middle of kind of the contract tampering episodes um, that, you know, in particular Triple H was looking to bring back Andrade in some way. I could see that being, you know, Something that's very possible as as Triple H was a big fan of Andrade and still is and, you know, right now is kind of bringing in literally everybody that he wants back to the fold. So it could be very possible, but it also, I believe Andrade is in a contract with AEW, so he's not going anywhere for quite some time. Yeah, and it sets a bad precedent if Tony releases him after he told him he wouldn't release him if he started a fight. So I I think we see him just kind of sit on the shelf for a while. Yeah, and I think, too, I think AEW's in a tricky situation of, you know, goes back to the Monday Night Wars uh, and and WCW, WWF um, at the time. When you release someone, you knew where they were going. And so does he release them, you know, uh, and possibly save money, but also knowing that he's sending them right back to WWE. Yeah, I, that would be a, a hard choice to make. And, yeah, like you say, you know exactly where he's going if he mm-hmm. gets released. And and he's already kind of burned a bridge with AAA. And I, I'm not sure Andrade gives a shit. I think he sees his future in WWE. But it also seemingly that, you know, AEW has kind of missed the boat on Andrade as well. They you know, never talk- treated him right. Yeah, we've mm-hmm. talked about this. There's been plenty of episodes where we mention missed opportunities with Andrade. Even the uh, the announced match that he was having on that show, which was a career versus mask match, didn't make any sense. And no, and how do you make, start a feud that way? How do you start a feud? If anything, it only fueled speculation that Andrade was going to leave because he was having, you know, his career put on the line. And it seems like ultimately that whole match, that whole uh, feud in general has been scrapped. Everyone's been put on the shelf until God knows when. Yeah. 
So I, I, I think if they were to have put him in a better place, utilized him, put him in more predominant matches, then it would have made a lot more sense. And I have to credit a video that I saw from What Culture uh, Wrestling earlier this week, um, which was a list of, uh, I think, 10 missed opportunities from AEW. And one of the top ones was Andrade. And this was recorded and put together before that um, that whole fight with Sammy. But it's that they never really went full in and didn't even try to put him in the mix of that type that top title contendership he was in the feud for the tnt championship but i think one of the biggest kind of complaints uh or just kind of um specific um you know speculations that fans had always wondered is could he be a top star and the fact that AEW never really went that far with him to even entertain him in that world titleship contender um, role I do think was a missed opportunity especially when he first came on board yeah the way they had him paired with Vicky Guerrero and the, the lack of entrance music they just never treated him like a big deal and they absolutely should have. He should have been treated like a very big deal. He didn't have to be put in the main event or anything, but they didn't treat him like you would treat somebody important, like they do most of these former WWE guys. And so he immediately got the kind of stink of not feeling important just based on the way they mishandled him at the beginning. Yeah, so I I think that, if anything, that lends to maybe Andrade's argument of, you know, not really being all in with AEW. Why try and keep the peace if essentially they're keeping him locked in? Um, it's almost in a weird way kind of the same situation he was in with WWE. Um, yeah. And now is in a kind of another lock situation, but actually locked in, I believe, for a lot longer than what his – WWE contract had him for when he had left there. Yeah, it's it's an interesting situation for Andrade for sure. Yeah. So I definitely, you know, as we, we you know mentioned in, in you coined the phrase, I don't know where we go from here. No, I don't. <laughs> it's it's again, I think PR wise a challenge uh, for them to now have a second big fight backstage. It's one, two, where I think the company really has to show some serious strength in, you know, keeping their wrestlers, their talents accountable for their actions. Um, and also just kind of recovering from now what seems that is kind of a chaotic backstage, maybe that there's, you know, really no structure. It's, it's a big kind of PR, uh, move that they have to make now to show. And, you know, I kind of understand with, you know, some of the things that they're doing, especially like having, you know, Moxley as your champion and really kind of doubling down on certain things, the acclaimed as your new tag team champions, um, you know, I think really honing in on some of your more, um, you know, homegrown talent um, and your go-to people is a great way of doing that. Um, but again, how long will that be? How long will that last? And if, you know, the reports are true about some of the newer people that uh, are maybe signing on, that could also mean that, you know, there could be a bigger emphasis on Lucha or it could be just another way of kind of, you know, maybe – um, you know, kind of collecting talent so that they can't be used anywhere else. 
Yeah, it's, it's kind of and how we've seen it play out. Jesse, I think uh, there had been some news out there that um, lots of back and forth about Bandito pro- uh, likely or possibility yeah. of being signed. Dave Meltzer at the Wrestling Observer said Bandito was signed. Um, Sh- <laughs> excuse me, Sean Ross Sapp at Fightful said Bandito was signed. That Those both happened on, I believe, Thursday after the match. And then Friday, a bandita was like, I haven't signed with anybody. Yep. So that's interesting. It's, uh, the story was that Tony Khan and Chris Jericho really gave him the hard sell after his appearance on Dynamite, losing to Chris Jericho, and that they really want him in AEW. He's likely going to AEW, but nothing's official yet, and Penn hasn't been put to paper. And that could be a great signing for uh, AEW to have Bandito. You know, one of the things that, as much as there's a lot of criticism with AEW, they really helped make, you know, Phoenix and um, Penta, you know, household names in the U.S. Um, you know, they already had some of that visibility and momentum from Lucha Underground, but it came to a whole new level through AEW. So they do absolutely have the potential to bring these Lucha Libre stars to such a wide U.S. audience. Um, there's the potential of that. But again, as we just talked about Andrade, someone that, you know, they kind of dropped the ball on, you know, could that be the same? I knew Roosh is kind of in an interesting state as well as, as being signed. Um, but yet, you know, what, what will happen with him. Um, we haven't really seen him much after that. And, you know, what, what is it all for? Is it really to help bolster, um, you know, the Lucha presence uh, on the AEW roster, or is this a way just to make sure that they don't go anywhere else? Um, you know, Triple H has been a, a fan of Lucha Libre. Um, it's been documented and it's, you know, he's someone who uh, is, very open to having luchadors on the roster, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in the next segment. But, um, you know, is it – what do you think, Dusty? Is You know, do do we think that if Bandito ends up signing and Rush's current signature, do you think that really will change anything about the presentation of Lucha Libre in AEW? I hope so. I think that more than ever, Tony's starting to take Lucha seriously because, like you mentioned, Triple H takes Lucha seriously. He's not afraid to put the belts on luchadors. He's not afraid to, you know, give them a very strong push. We've seen that with both Andrade and Legado del Fantasma and NXT. And I think he realizes that if they want to keep up with Triple H, they're going to have to improve their offering. Tony has this idea that AEW is the best wrestling in the world, the best in-ring work in the world. But it's obvious he's got his favorites. There's things that he just prefers over other things. But if you really want to have that best-in-the-world feel, you've got to have Lucha Libre. And I think he's looking at how underrepresented Lucha is on his kind of his roster and even though they have Rouge, they have Andrade right now they're aligned they're not doing a singles thing they don't really have a big singles luchador and Bandito could be that guy he's got such a cool look we've talked about how important look is to a presentation and I really think that even beyond the lucha presence Bandito is just one of the best in the world and so if you want to get one of the best luchadors in the world that you know, aren't signed to an American company. My first two thoughts would be Bandito 
and Vikingo. Those are the first two that I would think of. And so I think Bandito is a, would be a huge signing for AEW. I, as big as it would be for Bandito, I think it's bigger for AEW because they need that impressive. They need their Rey Mysterio. Yeah. And, and, and there is no other Rey Mysterio, but Bandito comes awfully close. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think he could be that guy, fill that role for them. Yeah. No, I I agree. I think that he really could have a, a place in the company and a huge list of people with amazing athletic ability where he could have really good matches. You know, that is set. We know that could happen. But I think that AEW is still kind of struggling with their focus. Um, and almost now they're forced to, now that they don't have their big stars like Kenny and the Young Bucks, the reliance on CM Punk in that, you know, big time role, you can't rely on that anymore. So now you have to reshift. And I think, again, looking at more of your go-to peoples and really doing that focus back to your homegrowns, like that could really be where you can build up the caliber of wrestlers, but also looking at, you know, people who are quote unquote, maybe less known or just undiscovered. And I think your Lucha talents could be that where you could have a a renaissance with Lucha Libre in a bigger format that, you know, made people fall in love with not only Lucha Libre, but pro wrestling. And he can, I think he could really replicate that if he put the time into it. Um, But, you know, that's, that's remains to be seen. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Well, that covers us for AEW. We are going to be transitioning over to WWE and talking about big things that happened. We had heard rumors. They were kind of swirling around on the Internet about this, but we finally saw Legato de Fantasma make their debut on SmackDown. They returned, or not returned, but they kind of returned to our TV screens, but made their debut on SmackDown in attacking Hit Row, which makes complete sense. But this is where I think... The schism had happened, and we saw, uh, of course, you know, the unveiling. You had three masked individuals. Uh, you saw, of course, taking off the mask, uh, Santos Escobar, Cruz del Toro, and Joaquin Wild. However, the big change with this is that there was no Electra Lopez, and instead we had Zelina Vega uh, teamed up with Legado de Fantasma. And uh, collectively, they showed a united front. Uh, Zelina took the mic and said that she is back and did not come alone. And then Santos took the mic and said, we are Legado de Fantasma. Smackdown is ours. So I, I want to get your thoughts. I, I'll go into mine right after because it's literally a mixed bag. I'm literally torn. <laughs> but what were your thoughts about this debut of Legado de Fantasma on Smackdown? Oh, I don't know. I I really think Electra Lopez should have been there. She left NXT with them. She made a tweet that said they were staying together as a group. Allegedly, you know, backstage chatter rumor that got released said that until like Friday morning, yeah. the plan was to have Electra Lopez debut with them. Then all of a sudden, it was Selena Vega. And for whatever reason, when the Selena came out, I thought, because they'd been doing the White Rabbit thing, WWE, I was like, oh, is Zelina the White Rabbit? I was so excited for that, because I thought that'd be, you know, like if she was like an evil cult-type leader leading the legato, I I was in 
with that, but I I don't know. I'm really excited to see Zelina back. I love to see Zelina wrestle. I think she's literally the single most underrated wrestler at WWE. Uh, she is so much better than she ever gets the chance to show. Like, you just see flashes of brilliance with her every time she gets to wrestle. So I'm excited for her. This is high profile. I think it'll be a very big deal. But, again, I feel for Electra Lopez. Oh, yeah. She's been in it for, like, 14 months now. She's yeah, been she's in been in, she, yeah, she's been in Legato now for over a year, and that's exactly my thought. I think it was this excitement of having Legato finally on SmackDown to have them revisit this feud with Hit Row that they didn't quite really get to finish on NXT. It's a good placement. But then, yeah, I think my heart hurt for Elektra um, to have that change happen and for them to do that so shortly before their debut. I can only imagine what that change must have felt like. And I think as, you know, us fans of NXT, we're pretty surprised. I think that, too, in comparison, which is not to say that this is a right comparison or a fair comparison. I think this is just the circumstances of Hit Row. But there was a lot of critique of B-Fab, you know, and her lack of wrestling ability. We saw that when she faced Elektra in NXT. And, um, you know, if the thought process is that maybe Elektra needed more time in NXT before she can move up, you know, why was that not said for BFAB? But I think the difference is that, you know, with one less member of Hit Row, having that additional member was important. Um, whereas Legato, I think they did have someone that they could place in Electra's role. Um, and, you know, overall, still very seamless. When you think about, you know, the theme of Legato and all of that, uh, Selena is a great fit. We know that she's a great talker. She can be a great manager. Um, but for those who have seen Legato in NXT, it definitely kind of has a sting to it. And the other thought about, you know, card subject to change is that if they did have doubts, why did they not address that in NXT? Meaning they all left NXT together. They could have yes. easily done something angle-wise that had Elektra possibly turn on Legato, maybe align herself with Tony D'Angelo, and that's where the split happened. And she stayed in NXT while the rest of them went to SmackDown and ended up recruiting Zelina. If they had that foresight, they could have easily done that, and it actually would have been a better surprise because we would have known, you know, that separation happen but because they made this change last minute it just you know didn't quite have you know just had kind of this yeah. this different feeling now there's still a good base with of wwe fans that don't watch nxt so for a good amount of people there they didn't know any different but i think for those nxt diehards knowing that change i think was a little bit of a a factor you know which is yeah. nothing against Zelina, but it also was something that didn't feel like they necessarily had to make that change. Well, and I, it just seems strange to me, like, there can't be two women in a faction. Yeah, that's true. You know, and you think about it, like, you have um, Santos, you have him be the single star, you have the... Uh, Joaquin and Cruz do the men's tag team. You could have Selena and Electra do the women's tag yeah. team. 
and Electra's size, like she's just so much bigger than Selena. Yeah. It made her feel like a threat, even against some of the guys. You felt like she was kind of a neutralizer, an equalizer. And Zelina is so much smaller. She's got more of a scheming feel to her than Electra did. But Electra's physical size felt like it made her, like I say, kind of a neutralizer, an equalizer in situations. And so I'd like to have seen that kind of play out. We need a new China. Like they've got some of these big gals, but we never get to see them be dominant in that way and kind of take on the guys. And it's it's disappointing because Electra felt like she could have been that person too. Yeah, you know, and that's a good point. Like, why can't you have two females in a faction? You know, like now yeah. we can only have one female. Like that's like we're we're limiting ourselves, um, especially because you still need stability more with the women's tag team titles. Like you need more, you know, women to have competition uh, for, for the tag team titles. So it could have, I think it could have worked um, if they decided to have both. Like it's just, it's kind of an interesting change. And then also, again, this is no discredit to Selena. I think a lot of this has been just, issues with circumstance and how things have laid out but you've seen that they've she's had a rotation you know of different roles and none of them quite stick and I think that this you know again it's very different because this is the first time under this new regime so I think that they're going to have more patience they're going to try different things but it also then makes a, a you know a little bit room of concern of okay so what happens you know if Zelina goes off on her own or this doesn't last and is that going to negatively impact um you know Legato to the point where you know they lose a lot of that flair and a lot of that you know strength that they've really established in NXT um you know it's just it's just little things like that come up and again in the other side, though, I think this is a great placement for Zelina. Again, she's an excellent manager. She's a great talker. I think that she really could complement Santos' um, promo skills, which, again, are fantastic. And I really hope he gets that ability to continue to do that microphone work um, on SmackDown. But, I mean, I think she does fit the vibe of, Leg of Legato, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, so but that's why it's kind of a, a it's it's split down the middle. I could see all the reasons why this was a great move. I could also see all the reasons why, you know, they could have kept Electra in the group. Um, and that also means what happens with Electra? You know, where, yeah. where does she go from here? Um, she almost has to create a whole new um, identity, um, which is not uncommon in wrestling. You know, that's not a bad thing either. Um, if she needs her time, if she needs, you know, um, ability to grow an opportunity, you know, NXT is the perfect place for that. But it does make you wonder what is, is next for her um, in NXT. And again, that's kind of left up in the air right now as well. Um, yeah, I don't, it will be interesting to, to see though, but again, it's awesome to see Legato, um, on a SmackDown. Again, I don't know if this means we're going to see a continuation of Hit Row versus Legato. I think it's a great place for them to start since they already have history. Um, but it will be, you know, what happens from, from there as, as well will be the, the main thing. Also, this is just me being nitpicky, but I was not a fan of Santos's blue suit. 
Um, I yeah. thought Cruz and Joaquin looked great with their suits, but I'm so used to Santos having more of a decadent, um, you know, shiny, uh, especially suit jacket, that the blue was not doing it for me. Yeah, it it looked um, almost cartoonish or something. It wasn't it, – it didn't feel dressy or, like, fashiony. It just didn't feel like the, the Santos Escobar we know. Yes. It just it just looked plain. It just looked yeah. too plain. And, again, you know, it could – whatever it may be, I don't know. And And I know sometimes things from NXT don't always move up – when talent move up, but I think that was one of the better visuals of Santos, really with the expensive looking jackets and things that were a little bit flashy, because that's also a very kind of a big aspect in Latino fashion is the the flash and the ambiance. And so I would hope that that continues. Maybe it was done so that way it wasn't you know, completely like you didn't know exactly who it was, but we all knew what it was. They wore lucha masks to the ring, for God's sakes. Like, yeah. why not keep, you know, the the outrageous suit jackets? But I will wait and see. I will, um, you know, I, I will keep an open mind. No. Um, you know, also this was being speculated because before, um, you know, we had Legato debut last Friday, it was announced that we were going to get uh, part of Legato, Cruz del Toro, Joaquin Wild, um, at WWE's live shows in Mexico. They are scheduled to face Angel Garza and Puerto Corillo. Uh, so that too was kind of a a teaser or that kind of helped fuel the rumors that we were going to see Legato on television sooner rather than later. Um, it is announced for both their shows on October 29th and the 30th. And this is great. This is exactly what we had talked about on the show earlier and kind of a perfect placement for these guys on uh, the Mexico shows. What was your first reaction when you saw uh, this match announcement? First, I was excited because it's really how they're trying to hype the Mexico shows is showing mm-hmm. these guys wrestle. That's exciting to me. It shows that they kind of have a investment in them and that they understand the Lucha Libre thing. But at the same time, I felt like, why have your two Lucha tag teams wrestle each other in Mexico? Why don't you have them go over American tag teams and kind of... You know, I mean, like, nobody wants to see their Lucha team lose. And so why not, since it's in Mexico, why not split the difference and have the Luchadors wrestle other tag teams and win? But at the same time, this draws a lot of attention to Lucha Libre and WWE, and it could be a sign that they're going to start taking Lucha more seriously under Triple H. We kind of saw, you know, we talked about this a lot, that Angel Garza just wasn't treated like a big deal, and now he's being treated like a big deal a little bit in the tag division and that's refreshing so i'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt on this even though i i feel like there could have been two lucha matches instead of one yeah i that's a really good point that i didn't even really think of that you know you could um have separated them into done two different tag team matches and have them go over, especially because you do have Legato that just debuted. You want them to have some great momentum. 
You also want Humberto uh, and Angel to have some, you know, a good win. Um, now, granted, it is a house show, so in this case, the wins and losses really don't have as much of an impact. Um, but I could also see how this being really one of the marquee matches announced, um, fans are going to love it. Because even if it is Luchadors versus Luchadors, you are going to have your Rudos, you are going to have your Technicals in this match. And I think they're really going to play up to the crowd very well. I think this is going to be one the crowd is really, really going to enjoy and love. And we've already seen a lot of the graphics for, um, you know, their their Monterey, Mexico City shows. They're still going to have, you know, an abundance of their, um, you know, uh, na- international stars on that show. They're still going to have their Bianca Belair and, you know, Seth Rollins um, on the show. So I feel like they're still going to really continue with that. But having that sprinkle in of Lucha talent is a great acknowledgement and maybe kind of just where, where they meet in the middle. Yeah. But, you know, we got SmackDown this Friday as well. We will see if Legato shows up, if we'll maybe get some segments with them. A lot to be seen with Legato the Fantasma. So we'll keep you posted. We'll keep sharing our thoughts, too on this new uh, Legado de Fantasma faction on SmackDown. The last news bit of this week's episode comes from MLW Major League Wrestling. We haven't talked about MLW in uh, quite some time, but there's been some uh, big announcements that have come out over the past few weeks. Most recently, MLW announced that they've signed Willie Mack to a, a contract um so willie mack will now be uh joining mlw and he actually has his first big match announced for mlw Fightland on sunday october 30th that's going to be happening at the 2300 arena in philadelphia um this card will be a fusion tv taping so we hopefully will get to see these uh not too long after uh the 30th but Willie Mack will go one-on-one against Calvin Tankman. So um, I think, you know, Calvin Tankman is truly like a young Willie Mack in size. I think is someone who has kind of a, 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 a freak-like uh, agility. And I think it's really seeing, I see a lot of shades of Willie Mack in Calvin Tankman. So I, I would be excited to see this match. Also, you know, Willie Mack is no stranger to facing some of the top heavyweights in the world. And so he's really going to be bringing his charisma and his athleticism to fight land um, on October 30th. So I would be I'm just excited to see what else is in store for him um, over really the next few months with MLW we know that MLW you know kind of weaves people in and out of their active roster um so having him back with um you know MLW is going to be interesting um again I mean he's wrestled for AAA Impact the NWA uh so really he's you know someone that you could plug in almost anywhere and he'll put together a fantastic match also announced uh, recently from MLW another signing and this is a man that Lucha fans will be familiar with Sam Adonis 
um, has been signed. Um, he's part of the new faces that they're bringing on as they get into this new season of MLW Fusion. Um, of course, Sam has wrestled stateside, but also internationally. And I think he's going to be a great addition to MLW. Dusty, what are some of your quick thoughts about having both Sam Adonis and Willie Mack in MLW? Well, we've talked about the Lucha moves they're making before. I don't know if we're going to see any more Azteca Underground, but if we do, these guys are perfect for that. Sam has done so many crazy, cool things in Mexico, and to be able to bring that talent and that expertise to MLW is going to be huge. I'm honestly shocked that somebody like AEW or WWE hasn't snapped Sam up, especially with his brother in WWE. His talent and his heel work is just phenomenal. So I am really excited. Willie Mack, he can be a heel, but he's such a natural face. Like It feels like these guys are kind of at opposite ends of the spectrum, but the excitement's the same for both of them. I'm really excited about this. Willie works so well with the Lucha guys, but he works so well also as like a big, hossy powerhouse wrestler. Sam can do everything from Lucha to the WWE style. Yeah, a lot of experience of talent coming to MLW and I think it's only after people see them do really big things in MLW that they'll understand what a big deal these signings were. You bring up a good point about what this means for Azteca Underground. We still see uh, communication out from Cesar Duran. We still see MLW reference him as head matchmaker. So he's still being utilized in this kind of leadership role, but we don't know if it's going to come about in Azteca Underground as kind of its own series or if it's ultimately all going to blend together where he just becomes more of a regular, you know, uh, leadership figure and kind of in the structure that MLW has had before where, um, you know, you have that protagonist, um, you know, boss who ends up, you know, causing a lot of issues. It just is more of still uh, a leaning towards Lucha Libre, but it's a good point. We haven't heard anything about Azteca Underground, if that is going to continue as its own show um, or entity. Um, So kind of looks like, you know, it may all blend together under the MLW Fusion umbrella, which I think is fine because it's still going to have that push and emphasis for, for luchadors and lucha matches, but it's not going to be under a story line of Azteca Underground. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Um, another big uh, news item from uh, MLW actually just released today that they are going to um, have a new streaming home. Um, MLW is joining Pro Wrestling TV, a streaming and on-demand network channel that offers 24-7 pro wrestling content um, that the partnership begins on November 3rd. That is also slated to um, be when we will have new episodes of Fusion. So um, it kicks off, I believe, that they're going to be showing uh, Battle Riot in November. And then um, after that, we will see a weekly return of Fusion. And they've also teased some other projects happening in 2023. Um, Pro Wrestling TV, which was launched in April, already features, which I did not know this, um, AAA uh, matches and shows and women's wrestling army which is the uh, women's wrestling promotion headed by maria canellis um so yeah. 
that already has a, a good amount of uh, content there, adding MLW into the mix will be interesting. Um, also, it does allude to possibly that their entire catalog will eventually be on pro wrestling TV. That means stuff back from 20 years ago will end up here, which we've talked about MLW Underground before. I mean, MLW being kind of the spiritual predecessor to, or uh, not predecessor, but more of, of kind of the aftermath of ECW, where they had a lot of ECW talent in that feel after ECW closed. Um, to have that content from years ago being available for streaming is also going to be pretty cool um, on top of the new um, content that's going to be up there. So, uh, again, MLW is joining Pro Wrestling TV, the partnership of beginning November 3rd, um, which is a streaming and on-demand network. Uh, I'm sure more information will be released um, later on, but that will be where you'll be able to capture or get your uh, MLW um, past, present, and future. Pretty cool. Yeah, it'd be amazing if they had kind of a like a library, like the WWE Network did. There's yeah. some great yeah. stuff in MLW over the years. Yeah, I, I I definitely agree. And again, to have that central place, especially if they have AAA, that's going to be something I got to look into. Because uh, yeah. I thought, you know, there was stuff that we couldn't see because of lawsuits and legal stuff. And, and, and maybe it was stuff maybe prior to that. So maybe it's older AAA that's on there. Yeah, uh, there's a channel on the Roku network as well that has, um, or Roku, or maybe it's Pluto, Pluto TV, that's AAA, yeah. and their AAA offerings are all from like between 2000 and maybe 2014, 2015, so it's historical content, really fun to watch, stuff to catch up on over the years, and I've seen a lot of great stuff on there, so it could be something similar where it's got a lot of older content for AAA. Well, that does it for this week's episode of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to check out LuchaCentral.com, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. You can also check out Lucha Central on social media, at Lucha Central on Facebook and Instagram, and at LuchaCentral.com on Twitter. You can also visit Lucha Central's YouTube channel that has archived episodes of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast in both English and in Espanol other Lucha Central Podcast Network podcasts, as well as matches, interviews, and other content that you're not going to find anywhere else. While you're at it, go ahead and follow us on social media. Dusty, can you let our listeners know where they can find you? Yeah, I am on Facebook at facebook.com slash Dusty Murphy, and I am on Instagram at Dusty Murphy. And me, Miranda Morales, you can find me at the hashtag Miranda on Instagram and Facebook. Don't forget to check out Brendan Barr at 321 T-Shirt Guy on social media as well. Reach out to any of us if you would like for us to take a look at any independent Lucha Libre promotions, matches throughout the United States. We'd love to hear from you and to possibly include that information on a future edition of the Indie Roundup. Don't forget 
forget to support your local uh, wrestling promotions as well. You just want to make sure that, you know, we always promote local and independent wrestling. Um, so make sure you check them out, especially if you got a Lucha Libre promotion near you. Don't forget PCW Ultra in uh, Wilmington on uh, Friday, October 21st, and Pro Wrestling Revolution on Saturday, October 22nd in San Jose. Um, both are going to be amazing shows. And last but not least, don't forget to uh, subscribe, rate, and review if you are listening to us on one of your favorite podcast platforms like iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and more. That way you get notified each and every time a new episode of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast goes up. You can leave us a five-star rating and a review. You're also welcome to reach out to us. Let us know your thoughts on topics that we've talked about, things we haven't talked about. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Is there things that we should be looking at? Maybe things that we should be talking more about? Let us know. Ah, And that is enough of my long ass spiel. So uh, thank you all so much for listening. For Dusty Murphy and Brendan Barr, I'm Miranda Morales. Thank you all so much. And we'll see you next time.